by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the Fight Podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on? This, <laughs> as the music keeps playing, this is your host of the Fight Podcast, Serge Vicente. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 20. We are back and here for you. Um, I told you, I told you I was coming back for a second episode this week. And uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. Uh, We'll be recapping this week's Bellator event, uh, Bellator 201. Also, yo, what's going on with this Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight? Is it actually happening? We'll talk about that also in a little bit. Um, We, again, as promised, we have an exclusive interview this week. Um, This week, we will be speaking with UFC newcomer, Titan FC champ champ at 125 and at 135 as well as episodes 15's prospect alert on this here very show Jose Shorty Torres and as always this week we'll go ahead and have our prospect alert as well as our fire focus and let's not forget we will still have our IG story poll results and as well as my takeaways for the week Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast also on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente uh, support the show uh, by checking me out on the website www.thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate uh, and share on iTunes and on SoundCloud purchase merch today we have super dope merch down in the logo uh we have nice hoodies and uh awesome t-shirts so go on the website check us out and if you have any questions shoot me a note there's no worries uh we'll get back to you right away man so uh, i love interacting with people so please uh shoot me a line interact with me on social media and also directly on the uh the website so we have a portion on there for that as well all right i told you I was coming back this week. This is actually the first time we've actually ever had two episodes uh, in one week on the Fight Podcast. And uh, yo, it's, it's, it's been it's been a good week. We got a good fights. I had a couple epic interviews that I'm definitely going to bring to you guys. Um, and I've been traveling. Uh, I'm actually not in my beautiful Chicago studio. I am... Um, 
currently in La La Land, man. I'm over here in uh, L.A. Uh, hanging out with, you know, friends, family, and as well as, you know, trying to see what we can do to get the fight podcast, uh, you know, just a little bit more relevant, man. So we're out here trying to work um, so we can bring the best content uh, to you guys. Uh, this is what we do, man. We really love it. But uh, L.A. is great, man. L.A. has been really, really cool uh, to us. Um, and I'll be here holding it down for the 4th of July, but this week, uh, I wanted to start the show off by touching on, and this is something that I know I've talked about a lot before, but I want to discuss Dana White's contender series. Wow, man. Just, just wow. I have to give just all the props in the world to what they are currently doing with the Dana White Contender Series. Now, for those of us who do not know, the Dana White Contender Series is essentially a show that is run for two months throughout the summer. This is the second season, and it is only on UFC Fight Pass. Now, you guys know, I'm not this. I only have one ad. <laughs> That's Sage Eats. This is not an ad to buy Fight Pass, but you know what, man? There is some incredible content on there. And the show itself, you can already tell the Dana White Contender Series is set up to take over their, what, 20 season run with, um, with Tough. And when that's already, as we know, I believe the last season of um, The Ultimate Fighter is coming up. But this is where they're really separating themselves from all of the other entities. So dope. The fact that if you look at it, what they actually have, they are having a program that shows the top prospects in the world in one place. And as you guys know, for those of us who've been listening to the show, I spend each week just go scouring the internet looking at different organizations looking at and in searching for the best possible prospects out there there's so many organizations aside from the ufc bellator one pfl there's so many of them So the fact that the UFC is doing a fantastic job of actually getting the best talent from all of these organizations and putting it on a platform for all of us to see is incredible. I love it. Salute to you guys for all that. But here's the thing. The matchups. My goodness, um, they're fantastic matchups. You have some of the best prospects out there. These are champions in multiple organizations, and uh, these are people that we just might not know yet. So the matchups are great. The performances are awesome. And for those of us who have actually been watching, so each week they do five um, fights. Nine-week show, five fights a show. For the last two weeks, so this is the third week, the last two weeks, there have been all finishes, and the first week was four finishes, you know, out of five fights. So dudes are going in there and getting busy. 
And that's kind of rare to see, especially when, you know, you people get nervous. If we look at the other show that Dana White has, the, you know, Dana White looking for a fight. A lot of times these guys with Dana in the room get spooked and don't perform to their best of their ability. But these guys and girls are going out there and just wrecking shop. Um, the other thing that I really love about this, and I think kind of goes without saying, is the nostalgia factor. I started watching the UFC and everything in the early 2000s, but then I transitioned, uh, you know, especially when the Ultimate Fighter first started going out there. But not just the Ultimate Fighter, the like a lot of the first big UFC fights were held at like the Palm Casino. For those of us who don't, it's not like the MGM or the T-Mobile Arena. This is a far smaller arena with just some of the, you know, it's a smaller arena, makes it's a much more intimate, and that's what I want to get at. It's a more intimate venue. So where they fight and where these are this this competition is taking place is, I believe, at the Performance Institute in the UFC small intimate crowd but it just gives me that feeling of the old ufc it gives me that feeling of when i used to compete in smokers back in the day it gives me that feeling when i went ahead and had my first fight over at joe's on weed street over in chicago like those are what it reminds me of it reminds me of that exact energy and I love it, man. I love it. They're doing a fantastic job with that, not commercializing it too much. But this is also a perfect way to bring people to their online platform. I mean, as we're already looking at it, you have people like LeBron James and Mav Carter and all those dudes with Uninterrupted. You have ESPN with ESPN+. Plus. We have all of these different, I mean, look, you have Complex, we have Vice, everybody has their own digital platform. And the UFC is bringing eyes to their platform by having a weekly show that just rocks. And I love that. They need to keep it up and I hope that they continue putting just incredible matchups and bringing incredible athletes to this. I mean, there have been already future stars that have competed in one like sean o'malley who won last year episode two he's a beast he's a beast he has the bravado he has his skill set he's everything and then we have people who we know are gonna be champions who have yet to compete and never competed look at you know uh, we had an interview with him in week 15 uh juan adams beast He's going to be a star. We also have guys who I'm going to talk about in a little bit. And again, I've talked about him eventually being on the show. He will. We've already confirmed. But we have T. Edwards. And if you guys didn't see that this week, yeah. Bro, T. Edwards goes out there and does work against a solid opponent in 28 seconds. These are the type of performances that we're actually noticing here. This is what's happening day in and day out on this contender series, man. So I really love it. Um, I will always 
highlight the top performers that are on this show. And I'll always do my best, just like T. Edwards, just like Juan Adams, to get those performers on this show. To get them on the Fight Pack podcast so that, you know, we can not just enjoy them as fighters, so that you can actually look at it and enjoy them as men and actually and women and see like the type of people that they are because I am telling you their stories are incredible and I cannot wait for us to really not just the fans who are just ingratiated in the sport no man I want everybody I want this sport to be mainstream and you know what salute to UFC salute to Dana White this is something that is going to get it there. So kudos to you guys. All right. We're moving on. <laughs> All right. So um, as promised, this we had another exclusive interview here on the Fight Podcast. This week I had the pleasure of speaking with Jose Shorty Torres who is one of the MMA's hottest young prospects. We spoke about growing up in Chicago, the UFC, weight cutting, and so much more. For those who don't know who Jose Shorty Torres is, he's a UFC newcomer who just won his UFC de- debut in only nine days notice. Let me say that again. This dude has been preparing for years and was doing work in outside organizations, but the UFC gave him a call and said, we need you to come out here in nine days and fly to a different country. He did it and finished his opponent. So salute to the man. All right. Um, Jose Shorty Torres is also the former Titan FC 125 pound and 135 pound champ. And I am telling you this dude is ready and willing to do work in multiple weight classes for the UFC with an overall record with eight no and six finishes Jose Shorty Torres was an incredible interview he's a great dude and truly I hope you guys enjoy the interview here's my exclusive interview with Jose Shorty Torres ready when you are what's going on man how you feel I'm all right. I'm alive. How about yourself? Oh, man. Doing, doing well, bro. Just, uh, like I said, getting through Monday, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good thing. Heck yeah, man. Hey, well, bro, thank you so much for, for, uh, for meeting with me this evening, man. I, I really appreciate it, bro. Yeah, no problem, man. More than happy to. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, man, first and foremost, man, congratulations on your first UFC win, bro. I was watching it, man. I was I was at my uh, my girlfriend's mom's house trying to run to the other TV to make sure I'm catching everything, man. So congrats, bro. I appreciate it. You know, it's, it wasn't the, the UFC debut I wanted, but hey, man, nine-day notice, 26 pounds, and all the paperwork and behind-the-scenes stuff, I'm just happy I, I, I got through it. Yeah, and you had, like, a pretty crazy weight cut in that, like, nine days, right? And I know I saw, like, your IG, you had a post on there, like, you said, like, you cut, like, hella weight. Nine days, 26 pounds. Oh, man. Dude, uh, that's so crazy, man. And, like, so what all did you do? Or, like, if you don't mind telling me a little bit about that, like, what kind of stuff did you do, to, like, for that weight cut, man? That's nuts. Uh, immediately when I got the call, I got it, like, 9, 10 p.m. at night. And I still had my meal because I immediately said no. I was like, 
not gonna do it eating my meal like i was you know gorging out on something it was just like rice chicken beans stuff like that yeah yeah and um i was just like damn i i guess i'm taking this fight you know so me the next morning started with distilled water only a gallon a day nothing more than that distilled water goes to your system much faster right I pretty much immediately started doing, you know, just more protein and fat and taking out much, almost all my carbs. Any any carbs I had was like maybe a handful of spinach and that was pretty much it. You yeah. know, so, Oof, man. You know, immediately the first day I weighed, I weighed 151 and, you know, I was sparring with some of the guys like Eric Sheldon, which he fought Jared Brooks before. So I was like, cool, you know, perfect, perfect just feel. You know, I know Eric can, can kind of mimic him a little bit. Right. I was fine pretty much halfway through, and then I was like, damn, how many carbs in my life? Like, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already dying out. And then on Thursday, like the two days later, right before I left, I had one more sparring day. I was like, let me get one, one more in. Yeah. And it was just literally me surviving for five rounds and, and all these guys beating me up. I'm just like, man, I don't even want to take this fight because this is the exact feeling I was afraid of. Right. Is it so much weight that maybe I can make the weight, but. I won't be able to perform and for me that's how I was in college where you know I played as an all-american in junior college but by the time I got to division two my body grew a little bit uh you know I hit puberty really late so I started to thick out you know thicken out real late yeah and by the time uh it's okay man we're latin brother we we, yeah. we might not all get big out right away <laughs> yes, but um yeah man it just you know i couldn't perform by the time i got to college you know my my final years that i wanted to bump up my coach didn't let me so I, it was literally just me making weight not performing whatsoever so that's that was my biggest fear with this fight but you know i i trust nutrition and you know even right after you know mainly with this morning weigh-ins so you get like 36 hours until you right. fight it it literally is the best case scenario so when the ufc is saying all this stuff about no mm. oh, uh, a lot of fighters are saying let's move back to 4 p.m you go no one has said that <laughs> Any fighters say they want to go back to 4 p.m the longer we can take the better for the better. us and it don't matter what time people weigh in people are still going to miss weight it's just more education compared to right um them you know actually missing weight or, or the time you know it's it's Darren Tills Kenzie Derns Yoel Romero's all them yeah man that, that that was bad I can't lie man I'm a Yoel fan that that one hurt I was like come on bro like you, you can't mess that one up but I don't know being they, they said that the commission here in Illinois did something crazy but it is what it is I mean your job is to make weight I mean like I said you were just saying it's like you got you got to do it well, see, the crazy thing with that is whatever Illinois State Commission did, and, and I know they're a little iffy on from the state, you know, stuff happens, but yeah, it's yeah, every. Yeah, yeah man, we're Chicago's old man, you know. Family well, out here, we see you. Well, the fact of he came in, I believe, at 11, and then, you know, was obviously the pound overs, goes, dude, you shouldn't have to have a second way. Most of the time, no. they don't give you a second chance. The only time they give you a second chance is you're the popular guy. Uh, you're the main event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bomb, but it's the fact it's only because you know you're you're, you're the big top guy. He's he still weight, you know, right. so it don't matter. Um, that makes sense, man. I, I'm with you on that one. No, that that totally makes sense. Um, so check this out. I I want to I want us to continue talking about fighting, but one of the big things about the show is that I want to people look at combat sports athletes right and they look at us and they and they sit there and they'll say they look at you guys and they're like look you know they just see like meatheads or cage fighters right yeah 
one of those things I really want to get across to people is that most of these dudes are college and girls are college educated and they're some of the most brilliant people that you and the coolest people you'll ever meet if you actually get a chance to sit down and talk with them you know um and, and that's one of the biggest things that I want to get through, you know, with the show, right? Uh, granted, obviously, I love the sport. I'm going to talk, you know, I, I talk about all the, the trash talk, everything. But at the same time, I want to be able to give the fighters and let people know who these people are. So I'm going to ask you some questions. And again, I just wanted to end up being a little bit like conversation. But I'm going to ask you questions that are just, just kind of get to know you a little bit more than it'll be, you know, just not regular MMA stuff. Let's do it. So... Okay, so let me ask you this. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life over the last six months? What purchase $100 or less has impacted my life in the last six months? Damn. <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind is food. Uh, hey, man, that's something, man. <laughs> no, you know, it, it's crazy because the only time I'm spending money now is more on, like, just my career. Right. You know, it's it's. I'm so focused on what I'm trying to do at the time. I was so focused on trying to make it to the UFC. Now I'm in the UFC, all that stuff. So it's like, yeah. you know, what, what what am I doing? You know, it's you know, people ask me like, what's my favorite pastime? I don't have a pastime. Like all I'm doing is training, eating, sleeping. I'm just so used to it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm trying to think, man. You know, <laughs> something that I purchased that's around a hundred dollars less that I've. Damn. Do you have any piece of like training equipment or something? You know, for me, I'm I'm real. I have really good luck, and and you know, I'm I'm very happy. All my sponsors, dude, everyone hooks me up with stuff. That's what's you up. Know, CBD stuff, vaping, topical creams. Bad boy hooks me up with gear. Which, dude, when I first started, I had the same gear for almost seven years. Man. You know, for people, it can't even last for a year. I yeah. took it for seven. I was walking around with tape and everything every single day. So when Bad Boy finally sponsored me, I was just like, this is. You're sending me two pairs of everything. You're sending me three pairs of everything. Damn, this is dope. I don't need this. Like, I'm good for just one. So it's it's definitely real cool, man. I have a lot of people that just you know really want me to uh, to help them out. And it helps me yeah. out so much. So honestly, I can't think of anything on it. I'm just more of a food guy, enjoying myself, loving loving life when it comes to being fat and happy when I can be. Uh, tacos is my thing. I think tacos have changed my life. <laughs> All right, well, in that case, check this out. Uh, if you had a gigantic billboard up, and it can say anything, you know, um, whether it be metaphorically speaking or whatever it is, it has anything on it, and what would your message, what would it, what would be on there? And you can have it like any big city in the world. Right here in Chicago, you can have it anywhere. Well, I don't know if you've seen them in Chicago, but I do have three painted murals of me in Chicago. Where, uh, where in the city? Uh, one on Pulaski going to Midway Airport. Okay. Like Pulaski and Archer almost uh, on the Honda building. There's one on 31st and 31st in Austin right under the Vidoc and Cicero. Yeah. When I can't remember what neighborhood, but it's it's a little more south than anything. But it's pretty much my murals are up, and one of the biggest things that I always say every single time, and it's not much of a not much of a, um, a huge quote, but it's a thing that I I post every single day, and every single one of my posts is, "We can, we will together. We are Team Shorty," and it has a lot of meaning to it. Yeah, you know, I want people to support me, and I want people to support you know my 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 journey and stuff like that. But I say Team Shorty for a reason. I don't just say it's just me. Yeah, I might be the one going in there, but everyone in the neighborhood everyone from you know when i went to college when i went to high school everyone that's been in you know impactful in my life whether it's been good or bad or whatever the case may be i'm the person i am today because of it that's why i always say we can we will 
together we are team shorty because if it wasn't for anyone's help or motivation i wouldn't be where i'm at today and that's why i try my best to to help and give back as much as possible as well so that's why i always say again we are team shorty dope man dope so let me ask you you're you're a chicago dude you know as of my group in logan square okay um how do you feel, you know, Chicago for you? How, how has Chicago helped make you, you know, as a fighter and not only that, just as a person? Like, what does Chicago mean to you in that that sense? You know, I, I feel like I've, I was growing up deep in Chicago when it comes to, you know, the natural, the natural stats of it. You know, like my mom's Mexican, my dad's Puerto Rican, both born in their respective countries. Yeah. You know, my dad didn't have a father. So, you know, taking care of us. It was it was brutal, you know. I ne- I always say my I'm never gonna no one's gonna hit me as hard, you know, as my dad hit me. You know, my dad hit me hard. Man. He made me tough, and you know, he was in gangs, he was a goon, so I got the upbringing from him. But you said was, your, your pops was a uh, Puerto Rican. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, my Puerto Rican mom, she's the one that she, I've never been hit by a dude harder than my Puerto Rican mom, man. I understand. <laughs> you know, my mom, you know, typical upbringing. She was, you know, the girl of many brothers, so she was kind of like the princess of the house. But you have to do this. You can't do any of the stuff your brothers do and she grew up tough you know and mm-hmm. she she grew up real smart she was the smartest one out of her family and even still today like without my mother our family wouldn't survive you know it's just Man, like when yeah. you take out of the house we're gonna be outside the house too falling her you know it's right. it's real bad so you know you know we all grew up in the hood you know so the upbringing was different now we're starting to slowly come up and do our thing and now my family's nice and stable without me either but yeah it's just like damn i grew up with a struggle you know if it wasn't for that struggle again i wouldn't have this toughness but here's the difference between me and everyone else in my neighborhood i say i have the typical latino upbringing because yeah. that's just what's in my neighborhood Absolutely. all the neighborhoods i've lived in it's been pretty much around the same gangs cartel this mm-hmm. that whatever my brother's been stabbed three times you know like stuff stuff like that happens in my family my yeah. my cousin went to jail for attempted murder like you know i got other you know family members that we just don't talk to because they steal stuff from us or just they're right. those you know they're, they're, they're prostitutes or they're crack fiends or this or that. You're just like, okay, you know, we got to stop hanging out with you. But yeah. here's, here's the difference between me and some of the people in my neighborhood is that mm-hmm. I didn't use my upbringing and say, whoa, I'm this or my dad's that, so I can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, man, you, you see all these famous rappers. You see all these famous athletes. You see all these people that have it, you know, the same as you or even way worse, and they still somehow find a way to, to make it out of the neighborhood. Right. You know, so I use that more as a motivational factor to go, damn, my dad wanted to be a fighter but couldn't because he didn't have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. My brother wanted to do all these things, and he was super athletic, but he didn't have the opportunity. My mom was held back by her family. She didn't have the opportunity. Well, I kind of have a little opportunity. Let me take advantage of it as much as possible. Might not be big, but I opened that window real wide and look where I'm at today. You know, That's so again, I, I made it out of the neighborhood. And I don't see if this shorty can do it. I don't see why any other shorty can't. Man, congrats for that, man. That that's super dope, man. And and that's that's awesome because I don't think enough people hear about individuals like you know their stories and like seeing what people like actually came from and had to go through, um, and just seeing how like man, just like the ebbs and flows of life. Like really, you know, you have to pick people up, and I, I, that's why I love Chicago so much because I really do feel like there's more of us with that type of you know that that specific grit that I don't mm-hmm. think you find really anywhere else, and and really is like I said even like same thing with me and like my people you know we're out from those situations and we've grown and seeing that and again I could I me personally I could relate to your story and like I love hearing those different type of stories and I think more people need to hear those type of things you know I, I look at it as you know I don't I don't brag about my upbringing like yeah I have hood in me but it doesn't mean the hood has to come out to play it's exactly. just more exactly you know 
people are like, oh, well, I had this, so you should baby me. It's like, dude, everyone has a struggle. Like, everyone, yeah, they might be a little farther in life than some people, but it doesn't mean you still can't make it to the goal. Like, stop right. using your up and hold yourself back and just do your thing. I never ask people automatically, like, oh, you're successful just like me, but I had it worse than you because mm-hmm. you don't this you're a white boy so you must have not had a struggle it's like dude everyone has their own struggle exactly might be different but you know we all made it in our own little way so i i don't i don't judge nor nor do i really care about it it's just i do me and you know i'm at where i'm at today because of it right that's dope man um i've got a couple more for you man i get you out of here man i, I do appreciate you you know hanging out tonight with us man um all right so what if any bad recommendations have you heard anybody give you know whether it be yourself or you've heard somebody like in the gym or just in life giving people like you hear just like awkward advice you're like why would you get but in your like in your world what bad advice have you heard people give other people um the biggest the biggest biggest and i I can't overemphasize on this the biggest bad advice i've ever heard is go pro and I say this respectfully because, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm a pro athlete. I did my thing. But I had 26 amateur fights, 50-plus Muay Thai and kickboxing. A hundred, I had like 200-plus you know, wrestling matches out of my you know, whatever nine years of wrestling competitively. Yeah. I, I did karate since I was forced. I've been in martial arts all my life, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm competing since I was four years old. That's 21-plus years. I've been doing my thing. But you have these guys that you know are new to the gym, teenagers coming in. They go five and zero as a pro, and their their coaches like they see dollar signs down. They're like, "Man, you're talented. You're awesome. You're beating everyone in Chicago. Go pro!" And it's like, "Hey, man, hey, coach, come here real quick. Like, mm-hmm. he's good. I'm not not at all denying it, but he's the big fish in this little pond in Chicago. Yeah. What if he's down in Houston? What if he goes to Colorado? What if he goes to this state or that state? Mm-hmm. Is he still going to be a big fish? You know, how's he going to do against the other big fish? So." For me, before I went pro, my coach always told me get 20 plus amateur fights in, no matter what. That's that's the minimum. And for me, by the time I got 20, I had one more year in college. So he's like, get your college degree, and then you can turn pro. So I always had something to fall back on, just in case I got hurt or I can't compete again, or maybe I'm just not that good. You never know. You know, we all have dreams and aspirations, and no offense to anybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just you just can't make it. You know, like yeah, right. you. you it, it just doesn't happen. The cards don't play out. And I've seen some really talented people. Just it doesn't work out for them. That's just the opportunity. Things come and go for other people differently. But you know, it's one of those things that again, they just they rush everything. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I've I've been at that moment where I want to do all these things real quick, real fast. I'm super impatient still, but right. Is amateur, so I say, you know, get as much experience as you want as possible. Because also think about this: if you're, you know, if you're trying to get a job, obviously the guy with the biggest resume is going to win, right? He's usually going to get the job unless he knows somebody. But he's usually going. <laughs> so that nepotism. Five and zero with this little resume, but now you're competing against guys like me and others that have gigantic paperwork, and it's like, right? That's unfair to you. You know, it's a practice game. Your amateur career's practice might be free, but do your thing and, and just practice as much as possible. So yeah. don't, don't don't go pros as fast as what you think you can. Well, I mean, but that shows, and that's that's probably why you've been able to, you know, just leapfrog as many people as you have because you do have as much exp- that wealth of experience that most dudes just don't. It's dude, it's a huge thing. So when I when I did Worlds the first year, you know, I fought guys with almost the same amount of record, you know, fights as me and I was just like, Oh, snap, like this is our version of the Olympics, you know, we don't have right. it yet. 
and so I fought worlds. I fought, I think, let's see, first year I fought Romania, Finland, um, the UK, and Ukraine, and then the next year I fought UK, Belgium, uh, Northern Ireland, and then um, Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. All these guys are pro level guys. Yeah. They're just amateur ranks, though. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the best guys in their nation fighting against you. So, this is literally the best type of experience you can get. Yeah. If you turn pro, you know, if you lose, it's like, okay, man, I'm glad I lost to this guy now compared to losing him as a pro. Now it really matters. And again, you can be 0 30 or 30 0 as an amateur mm-hmm. and undefeated as a pro. That, that Trust me, that stuff happens. You know, but it's it's a huge thing. So, for me, I had as much practice as possible against the top dogs and I accepted every challenge. I never literally went like oh damn he's this i'm gonna freak out like yeah you yeah another guy's trying to you know punch in the face and hurt you is just as much as you were trying to do to him but you know it's part of the sport i mean even now look at some of my fights i've never denied a fight people right. denied fights against me my fourth pro fight i fought a guy 18 and 2 when titan fc itself even though i was a champ titan fc themselves told me hey you know what let's get you a proper fight first before right. you fight dog i go no, I'm, I'm the champion. Let yeah. me defend my belts against the more contender. That's what champions are supposed to do. And I did my thing, and I knocked him on 86 seconds. Yeah. Went up the second belt. The guy 17 and 7 at a different weight class, a heavier weight class. Mm-hmm. Told my MCL and broke my hand, and I still won the fight. You know, so it's a case of it's just more of practice and being, you know, some, somewhat practical. Yeah. You know, know what you can do and, and accept it in reality. Man, it's so interesting, you know, um, your path, because your path is almost the MMA equivalent to, like, how people, like, boxers do. And you usually have the boxers going through, you know, the international type of tournaments, you know, like, the better they get in worlds. And you really don't hear that with MMA. You hear most guys will tell them, like, I've heard, you know, four fights and I'm gone, or ten fights, okay, then you go. So hearing that in that realm, like, man, why wouldn't that be the best way to do that? You know, why wouldn't it be like that's the smartest way where you get the most experience against the top, the best level competition, you know, and then when you do turn pro, that's like how Lomachenko, all of a sudden he turns pro, he's murking everybody 12 fights in, you know, yeah. so that, that I think that's that's great, man. I, and, I, and honestly, you're like one of the first MMA, you know, fighters I've actually ever heard, you know, literally have that many. Amateur, you hear in kickboxing or something like that, but never like an MMA. That's dope. That's super it's- dope. It's crazy because, again, you know, I, I keep myself secluded in my gym at the time, Combat Doe. Just, again, they're, they're my gym and my head coach will always be there. But now I travel to train to different gyms just get the looks and stuff like that. But, you know, my coach was always just like, do this, do that. Don't listen to anybody else. I was like, um, okay, I really hate what you're telling me. But, yeah, sure. Because <laughs> I respect you as a father figure too, you know. Right, so right. Um, when I was turning pro, I was looking at everybody else. I was like, so how many fights you guys amateur? There's, oh, I was uh, 4-0. It's like, that, that's it? You know, like, I literally was baffled by some of these people turning pro because I didn't know. I didn't really ask people. So mm-hmm. what, by the time I turned pro, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm 25-1. They're all freak out. You're 25-1? Oh, my God, you did this. I was like, I thought everybody did stuff like this. No. So when I turned pro, everyone was calling me, you know, the the pioneer of amateur MMA and this and that. And, and you know, I was telling you, I see a five fights. I was creating history and stuff like that. And, yeah. again, it wasn't that I was trying to do it. Like, it's mm-hmm. freaking awesome that I have. But right. I wasn't trying to do it. I was just doing what I thought what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, again, I give 100% props to my head coach, Master Bob Sherman at Combat Go. Because it, it wasn't for him. I wouldn't have at all had the, the successful career I have today. Yeah, man. Well, hey, that, it, it definitely sounds like he brought 
you on the right way, man. And and it's super dope, man. Just talking to you, like you know, you're you can tell you're passionate about it. You know, and the way you're you're talking about it. I mean, you can tell this is like hands down. You're like this is my shit. Like this is what I do. You know, and it's it's really like infectious. Like you talking about it. I, I want to like just turn on some fights right now and like <laughs> and start breaking stuff down. Um, so. Uh, like I said, I know you went to school and everything. Um, what is the book or books that you've given the, as gifts, as you know, the most, or you recommend the most? You know, there's literally almost no book I can recommend. <laughs> Dude, so the crazy thing was in college, I was a freeloader. I I ended up going to school on a full ride. Dope. So by the time, and that was in junior college and in you know my university. Mm-hmm. So. I was like, oh, you guys gonna you know buy my books? They're like, no, that that's all your fee. I was like, oh well, I guess I'm going to school with no books. You know, so <laughs> I literally never bought any books. Whatever books I used were borrowed from friends. You know, whenever they weren't using it stuff. So even when it came to for studying sessions, like I'd literally just freeload as much as possible, or just go to a tutor to to borrow off their book and stuff like that. And I I never had anything less than a three in college. So I was like, oh cool, I'm all B's and above. Like I'm I'm good. <laughs> And stuff. So, you know, there's a reason why I had the full scholarship because I was a smart student. I was a smart doc, which is really rare, but yeah, I've always hated reading. It's just one of those things that, like, I was always the active child. So when you sat me down, it's like, all right, cool, we're going to read something that's 100 pages or more. I freaked out and I'm just like, I don't want to do it. Right. Like, I wouldn't even look at the cover. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I started, like, flipping the pages and to see how many pages there were. Yep. I said more than 100, I didn't want to read it. Oh, bro, that's like, so funny, man. I even do it. But there is there is one book. I'm trying to remember the exact name. I sadly don't have it with me, but Nutrition recommended it. It's okay. by uh, Deepak Chopra. And it's oh, pretty dope. much like the – I think it's like the seven ways of spiritual success and stuff okay. like that. Okay. The reason why I read it was because when I fought Gleetson the Jesus, which I believe was my sixth – MMA fight defending my 35 pound belt, which I believe I sh- you know res- was respected to of doing because again I was bumping up again to defend the belt now. Right, right. I thought I was gonna win and be like, all right, cool, he's done with you know the the belt. But you're like, nah, no bet. I I got so many calls to go to the UFC mm-hmm. that. I couldn't take them because I ended up I was still injured from my Farfall Sheriff fight. I broke my hand, tore my MCL, so right. six layoff. And so in the two month training camp to get back, I was like, Oh no, I'm not even gonna fight this guy. The UFC's gonna call, the UFC's gonna call, the UFC's gonna call and I don't know, it's fight day. I'm just like, Damn, the UFC never called. Like I'm not worried about the guy. I feel yeah. like I the guy, but I never mentally prepared for the fight. I trained my ass off, but I never mentally prepared for the fights. So when I got in there, literally before I walked out, Lou is kind of like slapping me in the face, like, hey, what's wrong with you? Like, come on, remember why you're doing this? Yada, yada, yada. You know, even my head coach is like, Shorty, I don't like the, I don't like how you're looking. It looks right. just like, just like crap. Like, you're still sleeping. I'm just like, just want to get this night over and done with, like, whatever, you know? So I ended up fighting, and, and literally the first three rounds, or first two rounds, I did nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got beat up. I got torn apart. I took a bunch of calf kicks I definitely shouldn't take, and I never <laughs> take. I ended up getting head-butted by accident and getting, you know, eight stitches in my face, which I'm going to remember the guy forever for it. And, and you know, I ended up – I had a – um, you know, it was just bad because my last – before that so I was like man am I going to have another six month layoff I don't know what's broken what's this what's that but I got the fourth round and then after the fight like I was so stressed and I wanted to cry but 
was just so much anxiety because the UFC never called me back. Right. I thought I was up and it just never happened. So there's actually a post on my Instagram where I, I'm laying down. You see the water in my eyes because mm-hmm. I really want to cry, but everyone's overwhelming me like, oh, congratulations. So I'm trying my best to stay strong in front of people. Mm-hmm. But my cut is bleeding. There's like one, one like blood teardrop type of sense, you know, and it kind of, yeah. I thought it was like a deep picture because somebody just realistically took it on their phone instead of like an actual photographer thing. So I thought it was like a real photo. And I was like, man, a lot of things go behind the scenes, but I think that book helped me a lot. I, I took the book after the fight. Mm-hmm. Lose, like, dude, don't, don't rely on people. Don't rely on the UFC. Don't rely on anything. Just keep on doing what you're doing. If it mm-hmm. happens, it happens. If it doesn't, hey, man, you're still creating history. And that's, it really did help me in my, my last fight, Titan FC. I knocked that guy out in the first round. So it, it was definitely a big, big thing. And you know, now I'm in the UFC. That's what's up, man. That's what's up, well, bro. Um, all right, last thing, I'm gonna get you out of here, and this is just a little silly. This I always I, I finish with this one each time, just because it's so silly. Uh, what is an unusual habit or like a crazy thing that you love? Unusual habit? Well, I definitely do have an eating problem. That's that's a for sure. <laughs> um, damn. About to say, hey man, being here in the states, man, that's not unusual, bro. That's everybody. <laughs> It's funny, one, another podcast put up a video of me like two weeks ago, like the week after the fight. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, here's a preview of the interview. Man, I look so like, given I look kind of chunky now, but dude, I was like just round. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, damn, you like Photoshop or take that down, man. Like we do no video. Anyways. Hey, man, uh, when I post it, man, I won't do you dirty, man. I, I got you. <laughs> it's the angle, you know, it's just chin up. Anyways. Um, <laughs> No, man, I I think my biggest thing is I love I love Dragon Ball Z, Power Rangers. I'm a big geek with stuff, you know. Pokemon, I used to be huge in it. I'm so, you know, decently big with the video game stuff like that. So- um, Digimon, I've you know, just finished Digimon trying all that stuff and the new series, but it's do I <laughs> So quick, quick story on me was yeah. when I was a kid, you hear about my my dad, you hear about my brother, not the best role models in the world. Mm-hmm. My mom, you know, obviously struggling, trying her best to make us survive. So, and, you know, being in a Latino neighborhood where it's, it's the hood, you know, we're not far from the projects, but we're not the projects, you know, so yeah. <laughs> everyone has their own struggle. There's drugs in almost every single house. People are selling stuff, people, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't have role models. You know, I didn't have people to look up to. So when I was a kid, I was always so kind-hearted. But it was only because of the TV shows I watched, like Power Rangers, Dragon Ball Z, Digimon, all these shows that involved, like, the good guy literally fighting against evil, going yeah. to the right thing. So my mom literally put me in martial arts because she's like, man, this kid has a lot of energy. And that's all he wants to do is fight. But he's literally like trying to fight people for, for stupid things. Oh, he did this. Oh, it's not the right thing to do. You know, like <laughs> a kid that like, it literally seemed like something from an anime or, you know, kids TV show. So that was, that was my upbringing. Those were my role models. And the funny thing is like, I'm in Houston right now helping uh killer B, which she's fighting for, um, the King of the Kings championship. Yeah. On July yeah. 21st. Yeah, she's and dope. She's great. She's dope. She, yeah. I'm she's beating me up every day. But she, um, because she flew me down here, one of my favorite people ever and my biggest role models is Jace David Frank, which is the white, the green, the double red, and the black Power Ranger. Yeah, so yeah. I was able to meet him years ago and then we, you know, reconnected, you know, a couple days ago. And it's, it's just been dope. Oh, that's you know? crazy. So that's what's up. Meeting your real life role models and doing this. Next is hopefully Jackie Chan. But uh, right. you know, it's... it's 
those are my biggest things. You know, that's something people don't know much about me because um, I never really boast about stuff. But I try my best to, you know, put put little things on Instagram every once in a while that I'm screaming my fight pose, Dragon Ball Z, or I'm morphing in a fight, or yeah, just having some fun, man. So that's those are my big things. I always try to be the the, the white light in people's day. That's what's up, man. Well, yo, you definitely lit up my man. I appreciate your time, brother. I really do. Uh, this this was this was awesome. Um, I was definitely a Power Rangers kid myself, so I feel you on that. And I was also uh, Ninja Turtles is the reason my mom sent me to to uh, martial to like Taekwondo and karate as a kid. She was like, "This dude's over here trying to be Raphael. He needs to be over here doing something." <laughs> I was, I was the Michelangelo cat. That was my thing. I was, I was even at home. Like I was like Michelangelo has nunchucks. I need nunchucks. I was doing nunchucks at home, stuff like that. Right. That's what's up, man. Yeah. And look, I, I did want the size. My mom was like, "You're not getting knives, bro." Like, nah, that's not happening. <laughs> hey, bro. Well, hey, man. Thank you for your time. Is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners or anything before you get out of here, man? Any, any yeah. And uh, when we're also where can they find you? Um, you know, the biggest thing is I always say we can, we will together, we are a team short if it weren't for people's help and just people's support. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I finally got 20,000 followers on Instagram, which is... Hey, man, congrats, it's, man. It's it's awesome to know that so many people do, you know, support me in my career and enjoy what I do because, again, I'm an entertainer nonetheless. So I'm happy about that. But if people want to support me, Instagram, Jose Shorty Torres, Twitter, Shorty Torres 125, Facebook, Jose Shorty Torres with quotations around Shorty. And anybody wants to support me and actually the kids in my gym, 20% of all my earnings goes to the kids in my gym so teamshorter.com all the gear ships worldwide i barely make any money it's it's really just money to make new shirts a little bit for my training camp because i usually give a lot of discounts and 20 percent all the earnings goes to the kids in my gym so they can travel train compete and again i had to do a lot of stuff in the hood to to make money so i can you know travel and compete. there's a lot of things i couldn't do but i've been able to help kids at 100 here 100 there parents who have four or five kids so um being able to take them all to the tournament and stuff like that so it's it's a huge opportunity not just for me but for the kids growing up and uh you know giving them a different opportunity to see if they like it and see if it can help them get out of the neighborhood too but um also i think i think the big last thing is um you know i shout out a lot of sponsors not because they pay me not because all this stuff but everything i do shout out i recommend and i do personally use i'm not gonna you know shout out stuff i don't personally use myself it's my name under as well so if anybody before they buy stuff online look at my instagram page and my sponsors thing i have literally almost every promo code on there for almost everything people use for athletics so if you're trying to look for discounts and then am i that's coupons are the thing so i appreciate all of the support and i uh i can't wait to do it again man thank you absolutely man well hey man thank you again for being on here good luck with the rest of your career and everything i'm a fan i'll continue supporting you know from afar and hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometimes man i can't wait man until next time absolutely man you have a good one brother take care yeah that was jose shorty torres and uh you are listening to the fight podcast uh i hope you enjoyed that man shorty is a great dude and i really appreciate his time we will 100 percent uh be following his career um throughout you know for the rest of the time and uh we wish him the best man dude is a great dude and he will absolutely do work for the ufc and yo 
It's really great being here with you today. I have a lot of great shows still here for you. Um, I will recap this week's Bellator event, Bellator 201. We have a prospect alert, of course, still to come. But before all that, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. And remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and make sure to follow me at Serge Vicente don't forget to support the show by checking me out on the website www.thefightpodcast.com and purchase merch today alright next up we have our prospect alert prospect alert is where we show love to up and coming prospects who have the skills and talent but might not be a household name just yet so this week we're gonna take the time out to highlight this super middleweight monster David Benavidez with a record of 20 wins, zero losses, and 17 KOs. Now, being back here, we're here with the Fight Podcast. I'm gonna go ahead and break it down. This here is our prospect alert. All right, so David Benavidez is a Mexican-American fighter fighting out of super middleweight, fighting out of Phoenix, Arizona. In the talent-rich talent um, super middleweight division, he honestly might end up being the last man standing. He's the youngest to hold the WBC title and has crazy ridiculous KO power. One thing that really truly stood out for me in watching uh, David was I mean obviously his power goes without saying watching how he just hits guys and you automatically see how these guys just start reeling right but it's his timing and his just incredible pressure he constantly comes forward and throws punches and bunches um especially somebody who is as young as he is the way he just puts everything together body shots uppercuts uppercuts to jabs jabs back to the body constantly not only staying in his opponent's face but he changes levels up top down low through the middle wide inside it, it he, he he does it just seamlessly it's great to watch one thing that, again, something that you also don't watch with young fighters, he has a sustained body attack body attack, and constant pressure. And one thing, and obviously if you look at 17 KOs in 20 fights, the dude has killer instinct. If he has you hurt, you're not going to survive. And that's one thing that I love about him. I love watching fighters who finish fights when they have, they don't play around with you. He's not playing patty cake. He's trying to put you out. And that's one thing that I love. He has deceptive speed. Doesn't have the best speed in the world, but it is very deceptive speed. And his timing gets him over the top. 
he's he's athletic he's not nowhere i'm not gonna say he's the most athletic guy out there but he's very athletic and he has above average footwork um you never see him if you're watching his fights you never see him off balance. You never see him throwing a punch out of position. And granted, as we all know, some of my favorite fighters, for instance, Deontay Waters is one of my favorite fighter in the game, but he will catch himself and he'll get himself in trouble by from time to time being off balance. We saw that when Deontay Waters fought um, Ortiz. That doesn't here nor there. Benavides goes out there and you never see him off balance, which is great. Um, he has so much upside. This is a young dude, and um, I will continue championing this guy. He is going to make you know wreak havoc in the near future. I would love to see him fighting against my personal favorites as Charlos in the future. I would love to see him fight Gennady Golovkin in the future. I would love to see him fight Chris Eubank Jr. These are the possible matchups that this young man has in his future. So we're going to go ahead and keep an eye out for our week 20 prospect alert. Big salute, big ups to you, to our boy, David Benavides, um, I, I'm a fan, and we all need to keep our eye out for the man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, um, this kid actually was supposed to. He tried to fight Triple G um, when uh, Canelo pulled out, and actually Triple G didn't take the fight. Um, and not only didn't I take the fight, I, I spoke about this when that all happened. Um, but I believe what ended up happening was that the commission said he didn't have enough fights. It was something ridiculous. But uh, it's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, David is a monster. All right. Hey, you are listening to the Fight Podcast, and I'm your host, Serge Vicente. All right. Bellator 201 was this weekend and it aired on the Paramount Network this past Friday. Um, anyway, the card was headlined by Ilima Lee McFarlane. She's the champion at 125 pounds and she defeated Alejandra Lara to retain her 125 pound strap. And uh, you know, I'm going to tell you what, man. All in all, Bellator continues putting out fantastic events, and uh, the championship fight, the headlining bout, was it is an entertaining fight. Um, she went out there and actually finished uh, Lara with a beautiful armbar transition. Um, the first couple rounds, um, so she ended up finishing uh, McFarlane out of Hawaii, went ahead, and I believe she actually trains here in LA. I know I say here in LA, I'm here this week, so I'm gonna act like I'm one of them young locals, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, but I, cause I know she trains um, with all the uh, the planet um, uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu guys, and those are a lot of her coaches. So we saw the Boogeyman out there and, uh, and a couple others. But she went out there and finished with an arm bar in 3.55 of round three. Again, beautiful performance. And I'll be honest with you, Alejandra Lara came to fight. Um, the first round, I absolutely gave it to Lara. She was on top, landing fantastic shots. But uh, McFarlane is a champ. 
And uh, I cannot wait for the possible matchups to come. The co-main event was actually Valerie Letourneau, the Canadian who used to compete in the UFC. Um, she got a walking papers for them for some strange reason that I don't think any of us will ever understand. But um, after the fight, Lady did a fantastic thing. She went out there and actually called out Valerie Letourneau. That's that that's just beautiful. Valerie Letourneau fought in the UFC against at the at the time one of the most dominant champions in the UFC, Joanna uh, and Jacek. She took an L, but Valerie Letourneau is a perennial contender, and for her to call out somebody like that, who has a little bit of name recognition and that championship pedigree if she goes out there and wins the fight which let's not make no bones about it it will be a difficult fight it's gonna be it'll be it'll be something that's gonna continue raising her platform um and i'm a fan i think she's she's great i think she has that dog in it uh like we've talked about before with these athletes that i really you know i really like um but uh yeah, it should be good. And you know what, man? I really looks like I really think that Bellator is might possibly be doing a better job building their women's 125 pound flyweight division more than the UFC or any of the other organizations currently are. I mean, obviously, aside from uh, the all women's league that I can't think of right now, and I know it will come to my head in a moment. But still, they're doing a great job there. Invicta. There it is. Ha! Um, but again, uh, salute to uh, Iliami uh, Lei McFarlane. Great job. She's a great champion. All right. Just like the other one, Valerie Cherno went ahead and received the unanimous decision. 29-28 um, on all three scorecards. Entertaining fight. Um, Valerie Cherno does what she does. And that is uses her face to block punches. <laughs> uh, she's tough. She is durable. She's big for the weight class. And um, uh, I, I, her skill set, her striking is great. Um, I, I had her winning two rounds to one. It, it was a very entertaining fight. So salute to her. All right. Um, the next couple fights on that far was, it was Saad Awad. Um, in this fight was at 155 pounds versus Ryan Couture, uh, Randy Couture's uh, son. Uh, Awad actually TKO'd Ryan Couture in four minutes and 29 seconds of round one. Saad is a monster, and he has been doing work in Bellator for a long time. Um, I can't wait to see what they have next, but a uh, great performance. And I'm telling you, man, we cannot sleep on these Bellator cards. Bellator has almost been doing a better job than the UFC on putting on consistently good matchups, man. So, and then for me, the last uh, event that I'm going to talk about this, uh, this one, for the Bellator card was one of my favorites, uh, a friend of the show, Juan Archuleta, the Spaniard, versus Robbie Peralta. Juan Archuleta, my G. Ooh. He goes out there and KOs uh, Peralta in 14 seconds of round three. 
first rounds, I mean, you see, you, you see, I mean, I thought Archuleta was just winning just throughout the entire fight. But the combination that he landed to just drop Ferlata was incredible. He goes out there and granted, Joe Perillo uh, is one of their coaches, who's one of the best boxing coaches in the game. And he also trains with, in my opinion, one of the pound for pound top three, honestly, pound for pound, um, TJ Dillashaw in that camp. So he goes out there and with the left hand, he does, he, he reaches as if he's going to go down there and uh, go for the takedown. So he reaches down, he does the knee tap. As soon as he taps uh, his opponent's knee and the opponent reacts to it, he throws this, the haymaker of haymakers, and it lands flush on Peralta's chin. Boom! KOs my man. Wow. It, it, it was incredible to watch. Uh, salute to him. Um, at 145 pounds in Bellator, I see that man getting a title shot very soon. All right. Uh, the rest of the card was awesome. Great card. Um, but I want to um, highlight um, Carrie Ann Melendez. Uh, she's a kickboxing phenom and wife of uh, MMA great Gilbert Melendez. She fought and won her uh, her bout versus Tiani Vale by rear naked choke. Yeah, dude, for somebody who is a kickboxer and granted, yes, she, she's part of the scrap pack and all those guys know how to roll. But to watch her go out there and slice through this girl's guard like butter and get the rear naked choke, she is a problem to deal with. And now that she's competing in MMA, we already know her striking is top notch. But if she has a ground game to go with it, look out. I cannot wait to see her the rest of her um, continued development. And uh, so salute to her, man. But all in all, great show by Bellator. They continue to do great things. All right, everybody. So here on the Fight Podcast, each and every week, we do what we call here as a fighter focus. Today, our fighter focus is someone who is one of the best MMA fighters in the world who does not compete for the UFC or one of the other organizations that you may not know. So this week, she is one of the most dominant champions in any organization throughout the world. With a record of nine wins, no losses, and seven of those wins by stoppage. The one championship strawweight champ, Angela Unstoppable Lee. All right, Angela Lee is 9-0, and like I just stated, man, she is one of the best in there in the organization. Her ground game is top-notch, and one thing that I love about her ground game is how aggressive it is. She's aggressive with her takedowns. She's aggressive with her slams, but she's aggressive but not reckless, which is one thing that is great. Everything is extremely calculated. She's explosive, and she is always looking for the finish. And again, something as you guys know me, 
I am. I love fighters that go for the finish. Not only are they technical, but they got that dog in them. They're willing to grind, but they want to finish the fight. They're entertainers and they want to entertain. And Angela Lee is one of those entertainers. She has just defended her strap this past May. And I hope one day she get the chance. We will all get a chance to see unstoppably against some of the best here in the States one day. Again, she's one of the best strawweights in the world, no matter what promotion. And if you're a true combat sports fan, this is someone that you need to watch. So let's give it up for this week's fighter focus. Angela Unstoppably. Yeah, this is Serge Vicente and I'm your host and you are currently listening to the Fight Podcast. Uh, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com and apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first not one, not two, but tres, three months. Uh, we are, hey, so we're almost out of here today, but we still have some great stuff still to come. Uh, we have some combat sports news, of course, our IG poll results, and this week's hot takes, my hot takes. So remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast, and make sure to follow me at Serge Vicente. Don't forget to support the show by checking me out on our website, www.thefightpodcast.com, and purchase merch today. Fight news! All right, in the world of mixed martial arts, this week, Former champs Rashad Evans and Johnny Hendricks have retired from MMA. I'm not going to lie to you, man. And I'll talk about this a little bit more on my hot takes, man. But uh, but it's always bittersweet to watch these legends and former champions um, uh, leave the sport. Um, it was definitely time. Johnny Hendricks, since the inception of USADA in the UFC... He has been a shell of himself. Um, does not seem as if he was motivated to continue going out there and doing his thing. Um, it seemed as if when he was fighting, he was more concerned with fan appreciation, maybe money, maybe. But it didn't seem like he was out here for glory. Now, don't get it twisted. We all do things for the cash. And... I'm going to be very honest with you. I do not believe that fighting is one of them. Yo, you're going in there and legitimately fighting for your life. Anything can happen. So if you're not 100% in it, it's not good for anybody. So I'm happy to see these gentlemen walking away from the game with their wits still about them. They're not punch drunk. 
they both have plenty of opportunities outside of uh, of fighting in the cage. So I just want to take time to acknowledge these two great champions um, and what they have done for the sport. Uh, Rashad Evans is a pioneer. Uh, he is a the former season two winner of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he he did it at heavyweight. It, it was incredible to watch, and he did many things throughout his career that a lot of us were not anticipating. He went out there and beat Chuck Liddell when none of us believed Chuck Liddell was at the top of his. We we never thought he was gone. Um, he beat Rampage Jackson at one of, one of in one of the best grudge matches of all time, and he won the championship. Man, great career, nothing to sneeze at. Johnny Hendricks, the same thing, goes out there, wins the 170 pound chip after George St. Pierre retires, and beats some of the best in the game, John Fitch. Um, John Fitch, he beat. Uh, 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 Robbie Lawler uh, a lot of great matchups that he's had so salute to both men and uh, I, I truly hope to hope that they have find found peace not only in their careers but I hope that um, they'll find continued success alright Bellator has recently announced and I don't know how official this is all in all but I got this from Paul Semtex Daily's um, IG, and it seems like it's a real thing. It seems as if Bellator, who is currently holding a heavyweight tournament, which has turned many eyes to the Bellator's uh, organization, is bringing more fans, and people are excited about a year-long tournament. It seems as if they love that blueprint and they're gonna go out here and actually do it with the welterweights. Yeah. The welterweight division in Bellator is incredibly stacked. We have Paul Semtex Daily, Lorenz Larkin, Michael Venom Page, the champion Rory McDonald, just to name a few. This will be the premier tournament if it actually comes to fruition. I'm extremely excited about this, and I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. We know how MMA and the combat sports are, but I believe this is going to happen, and I am just thinking about the possible matchups. I would love to watch Lorenz Larkin against Rory McDonald. I would love to watch Paul Daly versus Michael Venom Page. What? Yo, that would be the best. The best out of any scenario. And and I'm being honest with you. The only thing I could think of when I first, when I absolutely first heard that, like it definitely wasn't crickets. But when I saw the possibility of it, ooh. Ooh. Oh man, super excited. So uh in fact, I'm so excited about that one, brother. You know we Oh bro, that was definitely the wrong one. 
Oh, what up? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I felt. So, uh, tournament Bellator duty thing. I can't wait. Sticking with Bellator. Um, Bellator has recently announced that they're going to Gegard Musasi, um, Bellator's middleweight 185-pound champion, will be defending his title against Rory McDonald, the Bellator's welterweight 170-pound champion. This is so exciting. And for those of us who don't know, you need to be excited. This is a super fight. This is a super fight on the same lines as Daniel Cormier and uh, Stipe Miocic in the UFC. But these are two guys who are younger, in their prime, and willing to fight each other. I cannot wait. Um, this needs to happen, and I'm so happy that Bellator is waiting, willing to make this happen. So... Salute to uh, Bellator. I will be talking about this fight more in the weeks and months to come leading up to that event. All right. In the worlds of boxing, the Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua fight that was rumored to be on last week is now over. Um, Anthony Joshua has taken a fight with uh, Pavetnik, who is a very, very, very um, tough opponent. But he's not fighting uh, Wilder. This hurts my heart, bro. This doesn't even make sense. And I'll talk about it a little bit on my hot takes. But promoters, man, you gotta have, you have to get out of the way. This is a fight that all of us want to see. And it seems as if, well, it seems like Deontay Wilder wants this fight more than Anthony Joshua does. And this week, Anthony Joshua had a fantastic, not Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder had a fantastic interview on um, Brendan Schaub's Below the Belt podcast. And on there, he said how he believes Anthony Joshua was afraid, and his handlers are afraid. And he made he said he made a point that I that I that I will agree with. When you ask Wilder about the fight, he's aggressive about it. He wants it. He yells about it. Beats his chest and, and goes around town and looks for it. Anthony Joshua really doesn't do that. He always re- refers to his his uh, his promoters, and when I hear the things like that, it worries me. It worries me because it seems like the fighter wants to be a businessman first, and he understands what happens if he loses. He believes he's in the power seat because he has the majority of the belts, but don't don't forget. Well, Wilder has. Wilder has the crown jewel. So, and this is even what, uh, this is coming out of Lennox Lewis's mouth, the, 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 the Hall of Famer, the great. So, I hope that this fight comes to fruition, but uh, extremely disappointed that this fight has, that is pushed. So, we'll see. And again, I'll keep us posted uh, when this comes up. All right. This is the fight. 
Fight Podcast, and here are our IG story poll for the week. This week, the question that I asked our listeners and our fans is, will we see Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua fight this year? 62.3% of our listeners and fans said that, yes, we will. Man, I wish I could be with you guys. Man, I wish I can go ahead and uh, and be on that same bandwagon, but I honestly do not believe so. The fight has already fallen through, and AJ has already confirmed that he's going to fight the dangerous Pavetkin. And kind of what I just talked about is that it seems as if his handlers want this fight less than Anthony Joshua was. So I'm be honest with you, I don't see this fight happening this week. Um, so, um, I'm actually going to talk about something a little bit in, uh, in my, uh, in my take, in my takeaways or my hot takes. So that being said, let's go ahead and segue straight into it. This is the fight podcast and here are my takeaways or my hot takes for week 20. Takeaway number one, my first hot take boxing. And again, this goes into my last couple minutes I've been talking about boxing. I'm talking to all boxing heads. I'm talking to all promoters, fighters, whatever. Boxing has to do a far better job of giving us the fights that we want when we want them. The promoters try hard to perfect to protect their fighters. They try too hard. They try to perfect that zero record, that that win, all these wins, no losses, and maybe. The, the Floyd Mayweather effect messed it up and made people believe that losses makes you not as marketable, which I don't understand because LeBron James loses game. He's one of the best basketball players ever. He loses games all the time. I don't look at him any differently. Michael Jordan lost games. I don't look at him any differently. Why do we look at fighters differently if they've lost tough fights? These these events, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, grappling, all these things are more difficult than team sports, and it is more difficult to protect that zero. So why do we care so much? And why aren't these promoters giving us the fights that we want to see? MMA does a far better job. Just this year, we have... Daniel Cormier about to fight Stipe Miocic. We have um, TJ Dillashaw fighting Cody Garbrandt. We have Paul Semtex Daly about to fight Michael Venom Page. The fights that we actually want to see in MMA are made. Boxing needs to take a page out of their book and actually make it happen. Um, we don't want to see what happens with Mayweather and Pacquiao. These guys are way out of their, you know, past their prime trying to scrap. I don't care about that. I want to see these guys in their prime. And so do the rest of us. So boxing, let's make it happen. Hot take number two. I let off the show with this, but I, I'm, I truly believe in this. Tuesday Night Contender Series continues to deliver. Great action, great matchups. This is a great replacement to the Ultimate Fighter. Bruh, 
I keep talking about it and I'm so hyped. This show has so many finishes and so many future stars. Pay attention to the athletes that are on this show now before you are left behind and you're going to try to figure out who they are after they have already made it. People who are in marketing, promoters, all these things, pay attention because these are the future stars of the sport. All right, my last hot take. Rashad Evans and Johnny Hendricks did both retire and this is really bittersweet for me. I've been watching some of these guys and some of these guys, and, and I've noticed it, you see like the old guard taking L's and, be, and, and, and leaving. It's just real bittersweet, man. These are some of the people who have helped me fall in love with the sport. Rashad Evans is one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, and, and I vividly remember watching the UFC countdown show when GSP was going to go ahead and fight against BJ Penn for the second time. George brought in Rashad, and I don't know if you guys remember this, man, but I swear, man, you guys need to check this shit out, this stuff out. Um, The show comes in, and, and, and it showed, and for those of us who don't know, the, the countdown series is UFC's, like, behind-the-scenes show, right? So, in this show, they had George St. Pierre getting prepared for his fight against BJ Penn, and there it was it's snowy, and they're in uh, in Montreal, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the soulful music kicks on. They show some sick leather boots. They they pan. This dude is cool as ever. Dope sunglasses on. Leather bomber. Oh, dude. He, 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 that's what I wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? For me, that was the first time that I actually saw like an MMA fighter, somebody, something that I was training day in and day out, and he seemed like a superstar. Yo, like, I thought Rashad was the dopest dude in the world. He was what a champ was supposed to be. A savage in the cage. Wouldn't back down from anybody. Put a fly and a super gentleman outside of it. I will always be a fan. And I want to thank Rashad Evans for being one of the primary reasons that I actually wanted to be involved in this sport. Involved in MMA and involved in combat sports. So salute to the Don. Um, I wish him the best in his retirement. All right. This is all I got to show our guys for you today. <laughs> I would like to thank my dude, Chicago's very own, Jose Shorty Torres, for being here with us on this week of the Fight Podcast. Um, please go ahead and check him out on all social media platforms at Jose Shorty Torres. He's a beast. He's a really, really good guy. And honestly, like he said, go on his site, man. He has all of the promo codes. It's crazy. <laughs> all right. This is Serge Vicente, and that's my show for today. 
Thank you so much for joining me today on episode 20 of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast as well on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. And support the show. Check out our website, thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch directly on there. Thank you as always for listening. Next week, we actually have another exclusive interview. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. And um, there it is, man. This is the Fight Podcast, episode 20. We'll see you next time. Peace out.